We play and call it work. Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWarGaming.com. Welcome, Wargamers, to the Shrine of Chaos. Today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, he needs little introduction because you've probably seen him before. And if you haven't, you've been in a hole for a number of years in the Wargaming community. I'll say this much. He is a former employee of Games Workshop. He used to be one of the Warhammer TV presenters. Uh, and he has his own channel now, The Honest Wargamer. Please welcome Rob Symes. How's it going, Rob? Hi, everyone. Yeah, great. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Uh, really appreciate that. Hope everyone's well. Hope you're well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, and, you know, yes. con congrats on your channel. You've been doing it for a little while now. And uh, when I first stumbled upon it, to be honest, I didn't know that you had it. And out of the blue, uh, I saw it. And it wasn't. it was very recent that I saw it. Uh, it was uh, actually the the reveal of ninth edition i actually saw your stream before i saw gw stream i'm like what oh, rob's got a stream and and this is ridiculous because you've been doing it a long time and so i'm like man how did i not know about this so that's when i reached out to you uh about then it was about then that i reached out to you and then i saw i saw your workbook that you made also you made a little while ago it wasn't it's not a brand new thing it's, it's been out for a while so if anything i've been in a hole for this time not seeing the stuff that you've been doing uh <laughs> But yes. Is that what we call Canada now? Canada's the hole? It's it's definitely the, the hole of the north, and it's, it snows in July. <laughs> <laughs> and our pools are heated, and, and all of the, all that good stuff, all of the above. So, but yeah. Well, I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to discuss a few things. Uh, first off, the uh, new ninth edition stuff. We'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, and then your, the, the whole thought process behind your channel the honest wargamer so uh i don't know the answer to this where did that come from what was the reason behind that uh so a uh, big shout out to my friend mark um who helped with the name uh there's i don't know if you saw much that happened with the computer game industry several years ago there's uh there was a big thing where uh, a lot of the big computer game independent kind of like reviewers were effectively being given like free stuff and they were being given um like uh or they were they were basically either being paid or in some way encouraged to, to write favorable reviews right uh, and i've always been a big fan of fair independent media uh and so the concept that we would have a a a no frills no sponsored so we don't expect we don't accept any sponsorship uh and we never have uh we don't get any um none of our content costs any money it's completely free okay so we're completely we're completely funded by patreon and twitch okay um which we've done since the beginning and the concept is is that allows us to just have our own opinion about whatever it is we want um and then we have uh, i have a bunch of very competent show hosts with me so right. it's not just me and then we have discussions about whatever it might be that week or whatever the releases are and we have different opinions and we've grown as a group which i think is great um, so that that's the concept. The core message of what uh, we're trying to do is if you tune in, you're going to listen to people giving you fair, well, I hope fair, um, but honest review and analysis. And you know that there's no there's no other party involved in the conversation. There's no agenda. Like it's just, there's no sponsor. There, yeah. well, I mean, there is an agenda. Having fun. That's definitely an agenda. That's fair. <laughs> like, that, that, like, that should uh, be the agenda. On. Uh, yeah, but, I also think uh, improving ourselves as a group is also a really important agenda as well, yeah. like growing. Mm. But it makes sense, though, I mean, because uh, you have journalistic integrity. No matter what you're talking about, there's no, oh, we got to say this, we got to sell this 
we got to sell the product that they're sponsoring us for. It's just, hey, do we like this? No, we don't. This is crappy because my units now suck or whatever you happen to say. It's a complete unbiased opinion, which is really neat. And we don't agree sometimes. That's really important. Like sometimes I'll think, for instance, a recent example would be Nathan, who does the Monday show with me, really thinks the new Carriage and Overlords book is very good. And I think it's mediocre at best. That's where, and we disagree, and we did the KO review, and we have that discussion. And you, and people go away from that going, do you know what? That Rob knows nothing. Yeah, or, <laughs> <laughs> or Nathan, he knows something. Uh, so, like, uh, we, get to, we get to just say what we want, which is good. Uh, and I value that, and I value all the people that have helped me do that. So, a big shout out and thank you to those guys. So, uh, just changing gears here for a second, talking about uh, ninth edition. Uh, so first and foremost, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, GW's approach uh, of their uh, their release of the new edition and how they're trickling everything out and and uh, some of the new stuff that you're seeing? What are your initial thoughts and impressions? Well, I mean, it's a very interesting uh, time for me because I obviously was um, uh, I was at the forefront of launching Eighth Edition Forty K. Um, I did all of the live streams. I did all of the fielding questions, a lot of the early codexes. So four games workshop. So I was I was in those conversations and meetings. But, well, or lack of. We could talk about that more in the future. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's very it's very exciting for me. I also am one of those people that um, I, I since I left games workshop, I'm very happy with no longer being behind the iron curtain. Right. So when something gets released, I'm like, what is that? I get that same excitement. That everyone else does at the same time um and and i actually really value that uh, currently um i think it seems like some of the elements that we're seeing looks like they've taken a very holistic approach mm-hmm. to what the army to what the game sorry is going to be in the future which i'm very excited about i feel like a lot of the playtesters of the people involved have got a very good idea of what would make a good competent environment for us to play games in in the future right. which is great but also I know that the community articles and everything that they put out are going to be quite hyperbolic. So a pinch of salt always along with everything. But some of the stuff seems very exciting, um, especially one of the things that I saw yesterday about the tanks. Mm-hmm. Did you see that, um, uh, like, obviously, they'd, they'd written a quite wordy way of describing that you can shoot into combat or yes. out of combat. Yeah, I saw, I, I, <laughs> my wife who just got into 40K, I read it to her. She's like, Dave, you lost me at the second line. Like, I have no idea. There's just too many words to describe all this stuff that's happening. Where I, to be honest, I had to read it twice just to make sure that I got everything, that it was all proper in my mind, right? I'm like, okay, yeah, mm. I can see what they're saying, but it is very wordy. Uh, very wordy. And they've yeah. got a lot of graphic designers. I don't think an infographic would be very difficult to knock up in about two minutes. Uh, I think that would have helped. But the, That's true. The thing That's a good that, idea. Uh, yeah, but the thing I was really impressed by was they they told us what we could do, and then they came up with... They'd obviously played it enough, mm-hmm. which means more than once, to have, uh, which is a shock. Uh, to, <laughs> they, they did it so that they were like, oh, there might be a case where you want to assign some weapons to the one guy in combat and then all your weapons somewhere else. And then they thought about it, they've involved it, and then they've put it in the rule, which shows some premeditation, right. which again is quite new and quite exciting to see. So actually, uh, my confidence levels are going up as time goes on. Yeah, so it's certainly a, a, the right thing to do to involve the community. I mean, there's how many playtests or who knows how many there are, right? There's a lot. We know there's a lot. We know there's uh, not just the in-house ones, but the, the independent ones where there is no buy. Like, their opinion is if it's going to suck, we're going to tell you that it sucks. 
which I think is great. Uh, yeah, yeah, and if they listen to that and then incorporate it, I think that's great. And also, like, one of the key elements for me over the past few years, I don't know about you, uh, I feel like, and I know you've played a lot of games at this stage, but I feel like balance is one of those really odd things that people try to talk about. I'm much more excited about them creating a game that's interactive. Yeah. And interactive does not mean just taking my models off the board. Right. I think the more interactivity that I get in a game, the more I enjoy the game, win or lose. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I think that uh, I agree with that. I the inter- I've never actually... Uh, thought of it that way but it makes sense Uh, i would much rather have a game where a lot of cool stuff is triggered and in the end if it happens to be a close game and nail biter that's in my in my mind a perfect scenario perfect game where balance there's it's impossible it's impossible to achieve balance like even in chess right uh to try to compare it to that is is not a comparison but uh the interactivity uh, is the is the cool thing you want to see cool things triggered you you want you want that satisfaction you want the satisfaction of the berserkers going in and killing stuff in close combat twice and then it doesn't matter if you don't win the objectives afterwards because you feel like you're already won because your berserker kills something so that that's the feeling that i get so yeah yes makes sense. yeah oh, and then your opponent gets to counter charge counter put like whatever it might be in that interactivity i think and i'm hoping we see more and more of that integrated into the future um and we don't see a de- design philosophy that doesn't go that way which is why uh, some of the kill team elements of you go i go are so exciting because it feels like you're always engaged yeah that's true you're not right. waiting too long you're not like oh i'm getting pummeled and i can't do anything it's an impossible comeback on my turn yeah 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 so yeah i mean uh, so overall i'm excited the board space thing i think is interesting um uh like i take that with a pinch of salt i'm not uh, i've talked about that quite a bit i'm not str- how do you feel about that, that i haven't w- heard your thoughts so that one is that's an interesting one because they haven't fully revealed how that uh, how that works in with everything else that is the new ninth edition like at this point we're given okay new board sizes but we're not sure how that interacts with the terrain yet or how that interacts with everything else that we don't have all the information on. So it it seems like that compared to 8th edition stuff is, oh man, that's not going to work. But since we don't know everything, it's hard to have a true opinion about it. It just looks like, hmm, that's interesting. And my uh, speculation is they would it, would it plays well to smaller armies with the smaller tables because you get into the combat and the action quicker. That's just my initial impression. I think that's one of the, the elements so my personal feelings are. I don't want it to be... I know I had a conversation with Pete once, and he's just like, how cool is it? We're in action. Turn one. We're right in the fight. And I'm like, I, I quite like jockeying for position. I had a really great game of Tabletop Simulator the other day with my friend Owen, um, and we didn't engage in combat until turn two. Now, that might seem like uh, that's not overly fun for some people, but the jockeying for position and the understanding of the game state in order to activate those elements Mm -hmm. was for me the exciting factor and uh, that was really engaging for me i was like this is cool whereas if i'm always going to just be charging turn one straight in the middle (laughs) (laughs) i'm not that excited by that Uh, some people will be and those people i hope you have a great time like it's cool that's so it's a personal thing not a do i think it's best for everyone thing yeah Uh, so yeah yeah uh yeah i can see that for sure uh and there was something about the uh, the size um Correct me if I'm wrong, but the the sizes are the minimum sizes, right? Yes, but I'm a, a like so I'm a tournament gamer, mm-hmm. um, and and I know that um, uh, I might be speaking to people who aren't, uh, or some people who are. But uh, the key element for me is that I only actually talk about the game for tournaments. Uh, because we okay. do a lot of live coverage that's yeah. our like that's our other thing that we do on the show is we travel the world i mean uh, last year i did 
19 events across four continents oh, wow. um, uh, for coverage. So um, yeah, we travel all around the world doing live coverage of, of tournaments, uh, much like a different games workshop for, for ourselves. Um, and so I only ever think about the game in, in that setting in that way right in yeah. that setting yeah um and so all of the big tier all of the big tournament organizers so uh, dlvo which is all of frontline gaming obviously um and then nova and adepticon have said we are going to be playing 44 by 60 which means if i'm going to go to a tournament it means everyone will follow suit right it's trickle yeah. down right. so as much as it's as much as it's a minimum it's hyperbolic like it's a fact that that's what people will pay yeah. uh, play and if you aren't someone who's playing that because you're not going to tournament you don't care if it's 12 by 2 yeah. like you're going to do what you like anyway that's true no that's true <laughs> yeah i th- feel sorry for you because you've got these beautiful boards all set up like at these lovely tables you're just going to carry on on uh, what you're going to do oh well i mean uh, I know that there certain companies they've already adjusted, like uh, like Table War, for example. They came out with, "Hey, these are the new uh, gaming mats that are coming out at the new sizes." So for us, we've we've made our gaming boards, which are a little bit more than six by four, that have a lip that catch the dice so they don't fall off the table. So if anything, it's actually fine for us because it's just extra space that we can put cards and we can put stuff that's not on the actual gaming board. So it doesn't affect, okay. it doesn't affect us too too much that way. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. And so. Yeah. Uh, that's my major worry. People who've got physical things that they've built or infrastructures in place. They're, they're the people I feel a little bit sorry for. But you can tape stuff off. It's not the worst thing in the world, is it? Yeah. It's it's actually the opposite because right now I'm finding the opposite with uh, being at home and filling from home. I don't have a 6x4 board, but all my gaming mats are 6x4. And so I got this little like droop over, this 4-inch on either side droop over. So we're technically playing on a 40 by 72 right now. And we still do the deployments, but it's like, okay, you're going to have to cut four inches off. So instead of 12 inches up down a war, it's eight inches up and so forth on either, <laughs> either side, right? Kind of do what we have to do. <laughs> who, would, who would have thought Ikea would affect wargaming? That's the real question. Yeah, who would have thought the minimum <laughs> Ikea table size would have affected? I, I'd have never thought that. Those Swedish, eh? Low to answer for. That's what they've got. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go get, get me some Ikea tables now. so okay so uh this dropped today the uh the blast weapons uh which i'm sure you've seen uh and my initial thoughts on that just to to share you what 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 i thought right away is because i'm thinking of uh chaos i'm thinking of defy i'm thinking of defiler right i'm like oh cool battle cannon i can shoot stuff great yes it kills hordes wait i can't shoot in the combat what why not and so that was my like initial knee-jerk reaction and i thought it's good but then i'm bummed out by that it's not as good as i thought it was going to be but then I thought, wait, hold on. He still gets his Reaper Auto Cannon and his Heavy Flame. I shouldn't be complaining, right? Because he still gets to shoot all that stuff. And he doesn't get the minus one to hit for the Heavy Weapon and moving. So he's it's overall a big buff uh, to him and vehicles with Blast Weapons and just vehicles in general. The vehicles that are specifically Blast Weapons, yes, they only get that. But still, they are so much better. and Probably they're back farther anyway, uh, shooting at whatever they're shooting at. So what are your thoughts on the Blast Weapons? Uh, I think I think it's uh, emblematic of like a significant change that we're going to see, right? So you saw the cultist price increase, um, and then you've seen uh, a smaller board size, and now we're seeing like a, an additional um, element that is going to deal very well with hordes. So like you know, if you're following, firing four d six shots and you're shooting at a horde, now you're going to get twenty four shots. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, uh, so I feel like the the hordes are a thing that are going to go by the wayside. So as someone a proud owner of 120 Walt boys, I'm 
obviously scared for them and, and their time in this uh, and their time in this world. Uh, I feel sorry for GT Lacorte players or anyone who really wants to run horde armies. I don't think uh, the existence of hordes is what slows games down. I think it's some of the it's the re-roll this, the re-roll that, like uh, um, things, you know, things like Overwatch, uh, uh, you know, are a problem uh, in in some ways because someone will roll all twenty shots of something that's terrible to try and ping a wound off a knight, right? <laughs> right, and, and, and as they should, as they should. So I don't think Horde's existence is a problem. And me personally, I quite like there being dudes on the board. I like there being quite a few like units of dudes but if the game yeah. it feels like what we're actually reading the blast weapons is we're going to see a more elite game yeah. um which as someone who hates painting i don't don't <laughs> i don't mind <laughs> i don't mind <laughs> oh that's cool i mean what? i'm not a, i'm not a painter myself uh i don't know if i'd, I'd say i hate painting but uh, i just uh it's been a long time since i've painted in fact the last time i painted stuff was 100 cultists on a live stream uh and it was like I just did wow. it until it was done, right? And then you got these dudes who are like, I painted for 38 hours straight. I painted for 72 hours straight. Have you seen these guys on YouTube? And they're just having competitions yep. with each other. Like, it's it's nuts. It's too far. It's too far. It's yeah. too far. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, they're, they're taking it pretty far. Uh, but hey, props <laughs> to them. They're getting the views, right? But uh, yeah, it's just interesting what the, the hobby has evolved into over the, the 13 years that I've been in the hobby. Uh, I'm not sure how long you've been in the hobby. About six. About six years? Uh, four to six years. Six years. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, not, oh, it might be seven. You might have to quote me on that, but not particularly long. Uh, tail end of eighth edition um, and uh, of fantasy, uh, obviously, RIP the old world. And um, and then this. But, like, so I'm, I don't follow the traditional. I played as a kid, I right. found girls and partying. And now uh, I'm a war game and I was more of a, <laughs> I play computer games my whole life, uh, found the tactile nature of the game far, like, it's just something clicked in my head. I was like, I love it, whatever this is. And I went from zero to a hundred very quick, right. very, very quick. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Not, not particularly long, but um, I've been involved in it pretty much every day, like yeah. professionally now for four years. So quite a bit. Yeah. So it's like, as soon as you found out, you just, you dove right in and you've been immersed ever since. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, I'm one of those. Uh, do you ever have a wild idea for an army, and then you think I'm going to buy it, like because no one else is doing it? Yep. That's pretty much. That's pretty much been my. I love list writing. I love yep. creating armies. I love things that are a little bit out there. So that would be my first. I was like, do you know what? There's a cool empire army. Bought it. Cool chaos army. Bought it. So I got. I went from zero armies to like maybe eight or nine armies in maybe six months. Oh wow! Like wow! Yeah. Yeah. That's... And and then I was playing maybe three or four times a week. Oh wow! Like pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's like every waking moment. It sounds like almost where it's just yeah, yeah. full immersion. So okay, here's a question. It's fun, right? Though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a life. It's a way of life. It's a lifestyle, right? Like it totally is. Like war gamers who are war gamers, it's a lifestyle. It's what they think about. It's what they breathe. Uh, so for yeah. for yourself, Rob. Uh, so mm. what? Because you, you you play a number of armies, but is there one that defines you? Because you know some players is like oh. Dave, he's a chaos player. Matt, he's a tyranny player. Like for yourself, what would you say is your main army if you could call a main army for yourself? I would have said Silverdeath, um, but like I, uh, I abandoned my tree bros, or maybe Seraphon, um, but I abandoned my tree bros. But before I got into writing the workbook, a lot of what we explored in the early days of the Honest War Gamer was, uh, and we still explore now, is how to be a better gamer. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of the processes I went through for myself was I 
told myself that I was only going to play one army for a year. Now, for, for all of us who are hobby butterflies, which is me, you, and I'm assuming everyone watching, like we're like, oh, you know another army won't hurt, and you jump between them. But um, So I went through the process of just picking one army, which was Chaos Dwarves, and playing them consistently and religiously at every event I could, uh, every tournament, and um, and then using that as a benchmark for myself to, to develop my skills. Mm-hmm. Like, what was I not learning well enough? Like, what was I doing wrong? How was it? And it's really interesting. Once you, um, and a lot of people who listen to the show followed that as a guide, right. and they were like, I'm playing this army for a year. And I feel like at the end of it, I didn't hate the army. Uh, I loved the army, but I also learned so much about the army, which if I'd have just jumped between one cool thing and another cool thing, I maybe wouldn't have picked up on those nuances that I was missing. Um, like the charge phase being really just the extra movement phase, especially for a dwarf. You're like, let's get a bit closer, lads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I reckon Chaos Dwarves. They're, they're, my, they're my one for, for fantasy. And Orcs for, for um, 40k. For 40k. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was the eighteen mo- eighteen met gun guy straight away, like day oh, one. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're feeling it. Actually, hold on. So you're feeling it in two ways. Then the ninth edition, you're feeling it in the the buff ways and the debuff ways. Uh, How do you mean? Like the anti horde stuff. That's the, all the good anti horde stuff that's coming out. You're feeling it. Plus, you got a lot of. I mean, you have a lot of weapons that have benefits too. Uh, on the flip side, right? Yeah, I guess so. I think I think uh, the issue with uh, I had this discussion today actually. So uh, the really interesting thing about uh, hordes not being as good, or more importantly, elite things being good and everything being more expensive, is Marines obviously are going to be better yep. because they're elite. So they're like you are paying a premium. If you're paying a premium for everything, I want to pay a premium for the good things. The good thing about orcs is you just have so much more of them that are rubbish, but it's a balance. Right, like these do ten things really well. These do eighty things really badly, and then there's some sort of equivalence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but if I'm paying more now for all my bad stuff that does rubbish things, then there's a problem there. Right. So I'm 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 still hopeful. Um, I'm really hoping for some of those elements to get reworks. But you know, I have other armies. I can Admech. I'm still a huge fan of Admech, uh, so I'm hoping they get better. So there's you know, uh, there's a lot of hope. And I'm love a new edition. So we'll oh, see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I got a question for you, and this is a, this is a diving into some, uh, some of the honest wargamer stuff. So uh, okay, okay, so from GW, from their perspective, uh, what what is your opinion on their, uh, how do I word this? So when they come out with a new edition, how much of that is pushing certain units to be sold? versus the fun factor of the game because i know it's both it's got to be both right but i think anyway. I, so what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that there's a great quote about this actually uh, never attribute to malice what you can attribute to stupidity um which i i i've always loved that quote especially when dealing with uh games workshop so if it were true a good example would be when they released uh the the zinch demon books uh way back in way back at the beginning of eighth edition right so um skyfires were great enlightened and skyfires were great you know they were they were really good uh however um uh some of the other zinch elements or let's take beasts of chaos not beast chaos sorry uh uh, beasts of nurgle are terrible okay right but they make the same money that they do for the enlightened that they do for the beasts of nurgle 
Okay. So the concept that they make good rules to sell Unit X can't possibly follow suit because they'll release two things and one will be good and one will be rubbish. Right. Like, like, uh, what's another good example? Bloodthirsters aren't great in competitive 40k. Right. Like, they're not great. Yeah, you just never but see they're them. But you never see them, yeah. right? Uh, unless people are having a great time, in which case I encourage you to do so. Do what you want to do. Don't let anyone tell you not to. Um, but they, wh- why do they not want to sell as many Bloodthirsters as they want to sell something else? So, like, the, 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 what they definitely want to do is sell books. Okay. Because it doesn't matter what else happens. That's the big profit margin is books. Interesting. You're just like, but, like, the, the concept that they uh, create new and better rules for, for units is definitely true. Um, but they don't do it with any sort of, like, malign intent because they probably don't have the acumen to do so. That's a nicer way of saying it than I was going <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the honest war gamer. I love it. Uh, okay, so uh, on that about what you said about selling, uh, selling books, what are your thoughts mm. on the reason why currently they don't they don't have a digital uh, they don't have their rules available digitally, and then when they do FAQs and erratas, they just update them and make it available. Now that being said, I'm not sure what the 40k app's going to do, so this might mm. be. I'm not sure if the question will be relevant in who knows how long, but what are your thoughts on that? Just they've been selling codexes for a long time and they just released the FAQ separate and it makes for, a... uh, I, I just think that's poor quality control, isn't it? Effectively. Like it's just poor Q like uh, another company would be quite embarrassed for that level of QC, but then still you see even things like wizards of the coast have some like pretty poor QC sometimes like they, they don't tend to like they, they'll, they'll, you know, um, I don't to say that I think that there's an overarching plan, I think is is I don't like to. Well, that's one of the things I actually don't do very much on my channel is try to second guess them or their intent. Right. It just like I, I, like I much prefer where we're at. Like, that's what I prefer. What are we doing? What What's the game state? How can we talk about that? What positive things can we do to affect ourselves or each other in that environment? Um, I'm not really too stressed about what their intent or not their intent is. I just want them to carry on being themselves. I'd like them to get better <laughs> when, when I think they're not doing great. But when they do do great things, uh, I also think that like, I compliment on that as well. So, like, I, I'm not too fussed about the intent because I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, I want to get on with the game. That's, do you know what I mean? That's fair. I mean, that's ultimately what we care most about is uh, the fact that we have models and new stuff's coming out uh, and that we can play with it. Uh, so, okay. So on, on that note then about what you said there, what do you think they could do? What's, if you had, let's say you were the CEO, okay, mm. right now you had, uh, you had full control over a decision to do something in the company to make it better. What would be the first thing that you would do? Probably just pro- hire professionals to do jobs. Like that would be the, the, the most obvious one. I'd hire professional, like, uh, like communicators like uh, a, a playtest team or an independent playtest team like i would hire people who have degrees in jobs and who are smarter than me the best thing you can ever do in your life is surround yourself with people who are smarter than you yeah and then i'd tell them to tell me what to do because i'm not smart enough to work it out myself <laughs> that would be my thing i'd hire smart people uh-huh. that's what i do with all my money and then do the smart things they told me to do what would you do i'll have a corn demon co- codex immediately 
Yeah. <laughs> like today. Today, yeah. <laughs> right away. Bring it back. <laughs> and uh, new Berserker models. Right away. All right. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. You're really using your own position of power to oh, push yeah. your personal agenda. That's right. Okay. That's Let's, right. Can we all make sure we don't make Dave a king? Because uh, <laughs> uh, no more despot. Tau does not exist anymore. They're just gone. Oh, straight away. Yeah, straight away. Yeah. No, not allowed. <laughs> Anyone who collects it is not allowed in a gaming club. No Tau allowed. In fact, there would be. Uh, I would give out free armies to people who burn their Tau armies. Like I would just be like, hey, you can replace your entire army model for model. There you go. Not, not even recycle. <laughs> no. Not even no recycle. recycle. No, <laughs> they deserve fire. They deserve to be burned. Wow, that's that's strong. That's some that's some feelings you've got going on <laughs> oh, in there. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> oh, it's deep seated, man, for years. Uh, but yeah, no, I I mean, she's oh, running a huge company, man. Like that, I, I couldn't even imagine that. But uh, in, in terms of the gameplay, like uh, as much as I'm. Uh, the, the, the best yeah. thing that I actually think that they could do um, is actually integrate uh, uh, a structured level of competitive gaming, like going down from a local level into the international level. Right. So you've got like great, you've got great groups like the WTC, so that's the World Team Championships, formerly the ETC, yep. organizing international team-based events. You've got all the great TOs around the world organizing events. The reason I talk about competitive gaming a lot is not because I'm like a try-hard, want-to-win-everything. But I also think that there's zero wrong with that uh, as a, a philosophy. It's because I think the very best form of Warhammer, now this is obviously my opinion, if you think it's playing at home in your garage with your friend, then that's your version and I'm like all for you. But I think the very best version is when it's at tournaments. Right. When there's that, when, when there's something on the line, it feels really real. Like when you're at home and you're playing a game and you're having a laugh and you're all six, it's like, whatever, let's have a cuddle. Like it's all good. Yeah, but when it's for a thing, you know, when it's for your teammates and you mm -hmm. want to just push yourselves over the line yeah. or when you want to come fourth at an event, not third. Like, And even if it's the best one. So uh, a big shout out to my friend Steve, do Steve Dooley, uh, who played with um, the uh, not Scourge Privateers. Oh, dear. Um, it's been a while since I've said their name. The Dark Elves that have become uh, uh, in Age of Sigma. Oh, Age of Sigma. Uh, no. Uh, no uh... It's not. What was their sub-faction? Uh, <laughs> it's good that we both can't think of it because I'd be embarrassed if you could have thought of it and I didn't. No, but anyway, no, no, I, yeah, that. <laughs> but um, chat, please help me. But um, the thing about that was, is he played the same army, so he played his executioners and he played his black guard, um, and he played that consistently at tournaments. It what didn't have a battle tome, didn't have any special rules. Oh, I did. It had a GHB special rule, so like two pages, and he just kept working so so hard to make that army work and going like. Two and three, three and two, uh, a, a five-game event. But at one tournament, he didn't win the tournament, but he went four and one. Darkling Covens, Darkling thank you very Covens. much, Soros Knight. Also, Soros Knight suck. Um, uh, he went, <laughs> he went four and one. Yeah. Now someone won that event, and I couldn't tell you who won it. Uh, someone came second, someone came third. I don't remember at all. But I remember the guy that took the rubbish army, and he went four and one, and that was incredible. Like that was. That like there was that kind of like underdog achievement thing, right. and I do think I think that's what tournaments give you an opportunity to do overperform, which I think is great. Right. Um, and so I think that's the best form. So if Games Workshop could do anything, they would create a global platform to help people do that. That would be what I would do. Is uh, uh have you have you gotten any sort of uh, indication that there that is something that they're moving towards? 
Well, so, I mean, so they did an investor statement recently, didn't they, where they, uh, so Mike Brandt obviously is the head of, of trying to do something like that. Yeah. Um, they, uh, so it looks like that's, that could be what they're trying to do in the future, which is so exciting. Uh, if that's yeah. the case, if not, it's fine. It already exists. The WTC exists. Uh, the ETC exists. Like a big tournaments uh, travel around the world. I travelled last year to CanCon, which was a 240-person event in Australia. Uh, the year before, it was 220. The two largest Asian Sigma events to have ever happened uh, were in Australia, played by Australia. Have you ever played Aussie Warhammer? <laughs> they do not. Oh, let me tell you, they do not care what you think. <laughs> it's, it's one of the greatest places to play Warhammer in the world. That island and Sweden are some of my favorite places to play Warhammer in the world. Nice. They're great. Yeah. So, okay, uh, about that, because I've heard some discussion back and forth about uh, the philosophy of uh, having these places or having the, uh, the, the tournament and GW doing it. Do you think it's – what do you think would happen if if GW did – like, do you think it's in their best interest to replace the WTC, the ITC, and all that, or to support them? What do you think is better for them? Support a, them. To support them. And so yeah, by, because... by them doing their own thing, then, is that replacing them? Or is that is that different? Is that separate from all these other things that are happening? Like, what, what would you say? Well, I would always argue for an independent scene. Because then if there's something that's a problem, the independent scene can do something about it, irregardless of the profit margin of the company. Right. So I would always argue that that's better um, as to what Games Workshop want to do. Again, stick that in the don't really care box <laughs> over there. Whatever like, they do, they do. What is, what is happening, though? There's big events happening. Well, eventually, one day, hopefully, um, uh, with reason and being sensible. But that'll be exciting when that happens again. Looking forward to that. So what's your uh, what's your wish list for the app when it comes out? What what do you what would you want it to do? What do you expect uh, it to be do? Battle, I'd like it to be Battlescribe. Okay. With free with free data sheets. Yeah. And a way to track my games. Track your games. Those three things. Okay. Track my games. What about you? Uh, I'd also like it to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the rules to be accurate, right? Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, everything you mentioned is good. I would also add uh, every time there's an FAQ or an errata, just include it automatically. Yeah. Yes. Auto yeah, update. Yeah, digital update. Yeah. Yes. So much so. Uh, yeah, so much so. And uh, I think it's probably, I don't know how they're going to do it, that I wouldn't be surprised if they charged it, charged for it. Uh, but if they did a free app with uh, pay to upgrade for better, uh, I would expect you to be able to build stuff. Let's say it was free, right? You could build an army. Uh, and maybe uh, track your games is something that you pay for, or uh, uh, the update should be automatic. In my opinion, I don't know, because they they know they have a huge fan base and audience that is going to pay for it. So my guess is that they're going to charge something for it. Uh, which and again, 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 I, I don't mind. I would pay in for any it. way. Yeah, I would pay mm -hmm. for it absolutely, and yeah, I wanted like, to do all I those things. Yeah, I want it to do all the things. And I'd like to pay for it so that it, it continues to improve. Yeah. Uh, which would be good. Like the inception of the Age of Sigmar app was good. It got better. And now it's kind of plateaued for a couple of years, which is a bit of a shame. Um, uh, and that doesn't necessarily have all the things. But I'm assuming when we ever see the next edition of Age of Sigmar, we'll get the app updated. Uh, I think they, they'll only have the one team working on the one project at once. So, uh, But it's exciting. I think it's very exciting. But, you know, functionally, we're able to pretty much do that anyway before, right? Battlescribe did the job for us all. Yeah. Um, uh, we could export our list. So they're up against that. That's also a thing. Right. Uh, it has to be as good. Yeah, if not better, right? Yeah, because surely Battlescribe is like the app 
2019, 2018, 2017. I don't know if you've got any other apps that you want to shout out for wargaming, but... I mean, there was Battlescribe many years ago, but I haven't used that in years. It's been years since I've used Battlescribe. Oh, really? How do you make your army lists? Pen and paper? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, army builders. Right? Mean, yeah, army builders. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, so I use Battlescribe yeah. now, uh, and it's been years since I used Army Builder. Uh, so... No. I think Battlescribe guys should get like an award, like a lifetime achievement award, Hall of Fame. No app. kidding. Yeah, like what, what? What does that mean for them? Right? I mean, this is. I mean, they do other games as well. It's not just uh, GW games. They do a lot of games. But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone uses it, phone or computer. Like you're you're on your Battlescribe, and I don't know about you, but I find it fun to just make lists. Just like, oh, I'm going to try this. Oh, what is this relic to? Oh, cool. I want to make a list based on this HQ and build it from there and like i just do i experiment with lists yeah yeah it's really good it's really good if there's some way to create a more innovative way to do that that would be exciting like you know like you see uh, i think keywords are one of the things that they're missing a lot like for instance if i've got uh, an ability whether it be a stratagem or maybe a psychic power and it's got the ability to affect unit x and y i'd quite like to click that keyword and see all the units i'm available to to do, use it on so a quick way of referencing how i can add combos and do things and produce effects in game that would be quite nice but that's fine that's what the that's what the brain's for i guess at the minute <laughs> <laughs> so here's a thought on uh, uh something that aos does that gw or that, that 40k doesn't do yet uh and not to the same degree they do it a little bit but not to the same degree mm. and that's having data sheet cards right like uh oh yeah any why why doesn't gw do that you know that for 40k right i mean that would be great uh Uh, yeah i guess so i think like for me i'm a big proponent of getting off book like if you're playing some casual games you can just have a book open can't you or a tablet but five Um, books though right that solves the five book problem yeah (laughs) (laughs) it does right it does but if you aren't just picking up your battlescribe app on your phone and using that as opposed to your five books then I can't help you already. I think I think you're already your own worst enemy. Like <laughs> so, Scott. So here here's a scenario because uh, my wife, who's recently gotten into 40k, uh, she mm-hmm. she's playing Blood Angels, right? And mm. okay, she's reading in the Blood Angels Codex, and there's some stuff in there. Uh, there's some stuff in the uh, Psychic Awakening Blood of Bale that exists that doesn't exist in the Codex. Okay, cool. And then in the Psychic Awakening book. There's some lore that doesn't exist for some of the units that exist. So we had to go to the Space Marine Codex, right? Uh, like, there's no lore on all of the stuff, basically. Like, oh, what is an Invictor Warsuit? What's the lore on that? Okay, go to the Space Marine book. Okay, so there's three books now. Um, and then there's a rule book, of course. And then there's a chapter approved, 2019 for the mission. And so there, there, there's your five, right? And that's not even that's not even if you have, like, allies or whatever in the army, other other armies in the uh, battle force right so um yeah that would be a good thing because i've seen independents uh making cards like hey guys check out these cards i made and then that kind of spread like wildfire a little bit like yeah these are cool these are really uh, useful um it's nice yeah. having these because really if you think about it how many units do you bring to a game uh right. yeah it depends yeah, it depends which armies you're playing. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm sure having the option would be good. Uh, they did a set for AOS, but they're all limited edition, so they just sold out. <laughs> like of they course, did a limited run. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And they got to so change. Having them... I was going to Go say, on. like, they they got to change the text, the font size too. Have you seen the the data sheet cards where it's like a massive card and like tiny text, and it's like 
I don't understand the uh, that. Maybe it's just an oversight, but. Uh... Dave, Dave, just say it with me. Don't attribute to malice what you can attribute to stupidity. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> just say it with me. Like, the, as soon as you get, as soon as you get off that, it's quite a toxic mentality. Not from you. I'm not saying you you have it, but to constantly question what company does as opposed to look at the hobby that you love and think do you know what i'm just going to engage with that instead of hoping that company does x instead i'm just going to engage with i have this great stuff and i can do this great things with my great friends i'm going to engage there that's definitely my philosophy and where i've been for the past few years it feels much more like you just throw it under the bin just be like get out i don't need you terrible thoughts <laughs> i don't need you in my life it's not helpful <laughs> That's not, it's no, not, it's not. Yeah. Like it doesn't get you anywhere, right? True. It doesn't get you anywhere. There's no control. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. You got no control over that. Okay. Talking about some of the positive stuff. Now let's uh, change gears here. Um, <laughs> actually, first off, let's uh, let's uh, turn it over to the viewers a little bit. If you guys have questions for Rob, uh, type them out, and then we'll do our best to kind of shoot as many as we can to him. Uh, has Rob's club ever had to ask a member to leave? Uh, uh, so interestingly, I'm based in Nottingham. Uh, which means um, we are 10 minutes away from Warhammer World. So that is my local for playing games. Okay. Um, so th- we don't, because it's Nottingham's a weird place. There isn't a wargaming club in Nottingham because Warhammer World is central. Yeah. So we have this very unique gaming experience. So no, I've never had us a member to leave, uh, thankfully. But I was uh, a doorman when I was a young man, uh, 18 to like 24. So I've asked many, many, many a gentleman to leave a club. Uh, <laughs> 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 which is, which is, I guess, is maybe the same. Uh, the answer to that question: Has Rob's club ever asked a member to leave? Answer: Yes, uh, but not what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a question from Doug Griggs: uh, How long did it take to write the AOS manual? Is he talking about the workbook? He says AOS manual. So I wouldn't know. I don't know if it's if it's the AOS manual. I wouldn't know. Probably two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um, how accurate is Battlescribe? I don't know. Like, good enough? Like, I mean, how accurate are the points? <laughs> It'll do. It's like, close. That's my yeah. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. It's close. Yeah. It's close. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. People will know. Well, seeing as every, seeing as every competitive um, uh, tournament in the world accepts the Battlescribe list, pretty much. They're pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's rare. And I think it's probably when, like, there's a new update that there are any bugs and they're quickly fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because pe- mm-hmm. they, they hear about it right away, right? Uh, yeah. Who is the one true emperor? I reckon it's like a gr- an orc we haven't seen yet. That's <laughs> what I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a prime orc who we haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, when you get your face, when I ask you the question, it's almost that there's like this dial in your brain. It's like, orcs. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with that answer. Orcs. Yeah. Easy. Orcs always. So, talking about lore, just for a second. So, you talked about the books and stuff, and I. From what I've gathered in our conversations in the past, that you're 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 a lore guy. You love the lore. You you, you get deep in the lore. Uh, is that accurate? Uh, ish depends. Ish. Not as no like uh, ish ish. Forty uh, K was an interesting uh, avenue for me because I actually got into it through the Horus Heresy. Okay. So I was Horus Heresy first, and then Forty K. Right. Uh, which is so um, I'm actually I'm I got more knowledge there um, than I do all over 40k but i've got enough of it but no i'm the game more than i am anything else okay 
All right. So if I were to ask yeah. you, did Magnus do anything wrong? Uh, I I'd just be like, I just it's such a boring joke at this stage. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I'd probably say. Uh, I'd probably say that uh, Russ is just a jerk. Russ that's what I'd jerk. say. Yeah, yeah, I'd say Russ is a jerk. And I'm like, why have I happened to the poor Thunder Warriors? Like, and this is my real question. This is my real question. Like, do we not feel that like the destruction of the Thunder Warriors really mirrors our own feelings as the working class? That's where I'd go, yeah. And then we go down a long, windy road that you don't want to go down. So let's stop there. <laughs> All right, Garrett Five Five One says, uh, "What are your thoughts on house rules that at times seem to override rules as written?" Uh, I, again, I wouldn't know. I play at tournaments, so unless the TO has written some house rules, which generally doesn't tend to happen. Um, I'm not ever in an environment when that happens. But if you're making up games for yourself and enjoying yourselves, then crack on. That's that's your life. Again, not the environment I, that I play in, if that makes sense. Do you, because it sounds like you do a lot of uh, competitive, you're on the competitive scene a lot. And to, mm. do you, when you play, do you play mm. competitive mostly? So like, I quite like, as I said before, I, yeah, I always play competitively, although I'll play for uh, games with my friends and we'll have a laugh right. but I never, I've never played anything other than a match play scenario uh, okay. I have been to there's a really cool uh, Age of Sigmar event in the UK called the Realms at War which is a narrative only event right. uh, I went to that once, it's a kind of cross between D&D and, uh, and Wargaming that was really fun uh, and I played a lot of the Horus Heresy at tournaments but I think probably best to call them events yeah um um uh so like at warhammer world and around so that was really fun as well and i would definitely consider them to be more narrative than they were competitive uh but i i've i've all, i always go to competitive events uh and when i play competitive events i play competitively mm. yet um i don't i would not take a list that wouldn't let someone engage with me uh yeah. and because i do this for a living um i feel like it's there's some onus on me to at least be a little bit creative in the list writing stage and have fun you know, whether either put my money where my mouth is and play a really weird army that I think is really good, but no one else is playing. Um, I, I feel like if I was to just run the current good stuff, I really let myself down right. uh, in some ways. So, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to mix it up. Are you more of a defensive player or an offensive player? Uh, defensive, actually. I, I play castle builds quite yeah. often. It's one of the things I'm trying to work on at the minute. I'm trying to build myself into a more aggro player, but I'm uh, I'm just a coward, I think, at the heart of all things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been really, really critical of myself recently. I'm like, you need to get a little bit more aggro on your, your game. So, yeah, defensive at the minute. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say is the, the type of player that you enjoy playing? Uh, most same same defensive like, uh, uh well no someone who like someone who enjoys controlling the board space and understands movement and the game so there's a really good okay. um uh there's a really good way of looking at uh at how you play and what skill level you're at so beginner intermediate or advanced so beginners make mistakes so it doesn't matter if you win or lose That's, everyone's a beginner i'm probably still at that stage in myself uh medium is you don't make mistakes that's pretty hard to achieve, just not making mistakes. And advanced is you force your opponent to make mistakes. Interesting. Now, the very coolest game of Warhammer you can ever see, in my opinion, you guys don't have to agree with this, that's fine, is when you're watching two advanced players. Because what they're doing is already 
they're definitely already not making a mistake. Right. What they're trying to do is make their opponent make a mistake. Right. And that's super fun. They might do that through bait or board control or um, giving them an objective or a unit to hit or whatever it might be, trading off really well. Um, they understand the game state so well that it's two people not not just trying to not make a mistake. They're trying to force their opponent to do something, which right. I feel is very much like a war game. Yeah. I think that's the really good thing about competitive gaming is because we all want to be generals in our heads. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. Yeah. And when it's played really well, when you understand the game really well, what you're actually doing is this beautiful artistic... I know that sounds really terrible, and some people might be like, this guy is up his own. Uh, that makes loads of sense. <laughs> but I, but I, I want you to know that this isn't me that I'm talking about. This is me traveling the world, watching competitive gamers play, live streaming it, and watching these interactions. And when it's done really well, it's really pretty to watch. Like, that's really... Do, do, do you no, get what I'm trying to say? That makes sense, though. It's, it's, almost, it's like seeing... Uh... It's seeing the pros play. It's seeing the prof like pros as in the top of the the game, the the best of the best, and it, it's exactly like like when if I uh, I don't know if you play any sports at all. Um, no, no, I don't. But, uh, same, yeah. me neither. But like I, I probably wouldn't go and see. Oh, a good example is bands. I've got loads of mates who are in bands, and when they've got their local show, they're like, "You coming to my show?" I'm like, "Of course, I'm not coming to your show. You're terrible." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'll I'll pay to go and see the gig by the famous band who are good who produce good music. Does that make sense? Like yep. there's a difference between the two. Oh, Same sure. sports. You you watch the pro team. You don't watch your mates at the park just right. swinging a ball around because it's silly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's so interesting because this there's this hobby breeds so many types of gamers. It's interesting because there are. There are people who love the competitive uh, and don't really care much about the narrative or the fluff or the lore or narrative gaming or casual gaming, right? There's completely competitive. And then there's the flip side that people, they don't really care much about the competitive. It's it's all lore. It's all, hey. Hi. How's I was going? trying to be inconspicuous. Hiya. This is Rob. Hi, Rob. Oh, sorry. Hiya. Uh, for parking at the hospital. Oh, I see. Sorry. Uh, this one? Yeah. Yep. That's good. All right. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What was I saying? Uh, You're thrown off by that. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> uh, it's like, I give you my very worst experience live, uh, just as a quick fun tale. Uh, I was at Warhammer World. Uh, we were doing some live coverage of a tournament. I very quickly needed to go to the toilet. I ran off. I was reading, wearing a radio mic. Uh, and Dan, uh, my tech guy, did not turn off my radio mic, uh, and then I got, <laughs> and then I got back, I got back, I got back to the stream. Oh no! I got back to the yeah to the stream. Everyone was like, uh, "Lol!" So uh, we deleted that image. Uh, like none of us talked about it. Me, the thousand people watching, and uh, no one. None of my bosses ever knew. We we're all just like, we're all quiet about this. Okay. Was like, yeah, we're quiet about this. No this way. is quite. This is fine. <laughs> Uh, no, no one screen captured. No, no one screen captured or posted anywhere. <laughs> is that is that Dan? That tall? Uh, no, no, wait, hold on. Dan was he kind of had like curly hair. Yeah, big bushy hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because yeah, because the first time we ever met was a uh, LVO. Yeah. Uh, I've started out my my uh, wargaming career watching uh, all you guys doing bat reps, uh, watching bat reps on YouTube. That was like my first foray into watching stuff. Uh, like when I first got into it, that was yeah, definitely pushed me in a way. And we got to meet LVO, which was really exciting. Uh, and then I got to meet uh, Matt um, as well at 
Elvio, but at Adepticon, uh, I got to do an interview with him, which was super fun. And he uh, bullied me on screen, which was so still, to, <laughs> still to this day is one of my favorite moves someone's ever pulled online. <laughs> That's great. I was like, well done, Matt. You've used me as a, as a post to beat up Games Workshop, and I'm proud of you. That was great work. <laughs> and this is when you were working for them at the time. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah a, how did you put it? You, you, you had inner thoughts, but you couldn't exactly agree with him because he was saying things that were a little too honest or how did you work? How'd you word it? Yeah, he effectively, we sat down, we did an interview uh, and then he, he dropped some truth bombs, which as a games workshop employee, I could not agree with. Yeah. But you know, I'd be like, those are really great thoughts. Um, uh, which is <laughs> like, and it was pointed. I think Matt's a really smart man. I've watched yeah. him a lot on screen. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any way that he wasn't tried to do that. And I loved him for it because I was like in your position, Having like it's all cool that Games Workshop are great now, but you've lived through the time when they were not great, yeah. So I can completely understand your Matt and everyone else's position, as also I'm one of those people as well. So uh, yeah, it was a fun time. That was fun. I enjoyed that. <laughs> and, I, and I think uh, something as well that uh, I, I need to acknowledge, and I think it's important, is that uh, without Games Workshop, like we, uh, so many people, but uh, we would not be doing. We wouldn't have the jobs that we have. You know, like uh, the, our their industry, their their game, their hobby, is what allows us to have our our business and and everything that we do, right? All, all the, the enjoyment that we have and the fact that we can do that as as a living and uh, and so it, at the end of the day, uh, we like certain things, we dislike certain things, but we we have we certainly have huge immense gratitude for the company uh, because uh, individuals. I'll never thank a company, uh, not one. And what, but I'll always thank individuals. Yeah, uh, and I, it's so interesting, right? Because even though, because for me, it's both. And so this is one of those things where I would uh, disagree. Uh, it's, okay, good. Uh, yeah, no, I, go. I'm disagreeing, Rob. All right, here it is. <laughs> taking, off, taking off the gloves. Uh, okay, for me, it's both. Because yes, it's individuals. But when you don't know individuals, it has to be the company because nothing else, you can't equate it to anything. And without the existence of the company, we wouldn't exist. And so uh, gratitude to the company, which in turn becomes gratitude towards the individuals that run the company and that are part of the company. And now it's different because we know people that are in the company, whereas before it was just this faceless entity where mm. it's like, OK, they're making stuff and we're making stuff. And this was actually the this was actually the stance. It's like, well, we're making this was years ago, not not right now, but years ago it was like, OK, we're making stuff and. I hope they don't shut us down for for making their con okay, all right, so are they not shutting us down because they they like us or because they're not legally allowed to <laughs> 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 and, and then it was like, hmm, uh, yeah, we kind of think they don't like us, and then it was, yeah, we know they don't like us, and then it was uh, a complete one eighty it was like, all right, they like us and and they want they want to be friends, they want to collaborate. That was me. We had dinner. Yes, that was you. And that fact, was us. That was you because at the time <laughs> when you worked with them, like, you were you were the first contact. You absolutely yeah. were, and so you uh, from your from our introduction and then everyone else after that. Uh, it was this is great. You know, we. we oh have, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you yeah. guys. You guys make great stuff, and people should uh, like. And there should be that level of integration, which I think is always key. Um, and I think because because hopefully uh, the better angels work, uh, and we end up with better company like yeah. uh, we already have great people but better company is always a good thing to go along uh, with and try to push and force if we can for as sure. well 
Yeah. Yeah. Encourage, and if we can't encourage force, and if we can't force, burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> And I got to say, though, Rob, I mean, out of the, the multiple editions that I've seen, because I've seen since fourth, yeah, since fourth edition, I've seen the company do what they do. And uh, there's been many, many times when it seemed as though the general consensus of the audience and fans uh, was like, they love the hobby, but they hate the hobby because of the way in which the hobby is uh, dictated and run. But now it's mostly uh we love the hobby and we love how it's run and dictated that's mostly yes there's always the naysayers and all that but uh but mostly as a whole the impression that i get from the community is that gw doing great you're in the right direction keep on going yeah they're they're way better than they were absolutely yeah way better than they were and they can be better in the future which is great yeah so like uh, and i i I agree with that sentiment yeah progress that's all we want right we just want progress like it's not gonna be perfect ever but as long as there's continual progress, then I think that's really that equates to wargaming happiness. I think definitely a better environment in the future for everyone is really important. Like that's that's definitely what I'm working towards as well. That's like my raison d'être. Uh, yeah, not that I'm French or know what that really means. <laughs> I had no idea what you said. <laughs> and I'm in Canada. The second language is French. I had no idea what you said. <laughs> All right, Rob. Okay, so tell tell people uh, uh, about your your player workbook. Okay, so about a couple of years ago, um, uh, I'll try and condense this real quick. So when I left Games Workshop, because the last six months of a year was really hard on me personally, uh, it wasn't a great environment to work in. Um, and uh, one of the key elements of that was that um, I was very invested in the idea that live streaming was a very positive way to go with gaming, um, uh, especially at tournaments. But um, anyway, I was very invested in that. And so when I left... Uh, my, uh, I didn't want to do it again. I was like, I'm not sitting in the seat. I'm not doing the seat. I'm not doing it um, uh, because it, I'd had such a terrible experience. I'd be provided with players that were terrible, uh, with co-commentators that didn't know what they were talking about. But I did have great co-commentators as well. Big shout out John Bracken, Eddie Eccles all day. Um, so like, um, it was a really tough time for me and, and I saw something turning into a bit of a joke. Anyway, so then uh, an event called Bobo, the Bravery One British Open, uh, they were like, can you live stream one of our game, our tournaments? And I was like, ah. Oh. And then a couple of my mates egged me on and they were like, go on, just do it. This is about a year later. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, go on then, let's do it. And we did it and I had a blast because the difference in doing something with people who were invested and they love it, mm-hmm. people who care, people who want something to be great versus a group of people who don't care don't really know what you're doing and aren't invested at all is is night and day obviously that's going to be the case and i had an amazing time but i walked away from that being like we need to do this so much better we need to be great at this and then it turned into it turned into how do i be a better commentator which was really important to me um so i started to watch loads of like professional chess poker Poker commentators, by the way, weird. They love dropping like puns and they're, they're oddballs. Let me tell you, go watch them online. They're, they're some weirdos. Uh, <laughs> so I watched a lot of um, different uh, Magic the Gathering, obviously, uh, commentary and uh, kind of analyzed what they were doing. And one of the key elements of that was is they had words that meant stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we don't a lot in the wargaming community is have words that mean things. A good example is cheesy. This army's a bit cheesy. I'm like, could you say anything more nebulous, 
that means nothing apart from I'm unhappy. Like it's not articulate, right? Right. And in order to be a good commentator, I need to be articulate. So yeah. there was a great show that me and the 40K guys did where we just broke down all the words that we'd ever heard of in any of the war games, 40K or Age of Sigma. And we like wrote them out and then we created this set of keywords um, and what they meant and how we felt about them. And then off the back of that, I asked myself, how do I commentate a game? How do I explain to an audience where it's good? Mm-hmm. Like what's happening? Like, cause when you watch a top down view of just a board space, you're like, okay, I don't really know, but there are, uh, and you've played a lot of games. So you, you'll be able to back me up with this. If you think this is true, there are swing moments in a game and also momentum. Sometimes it just seems to just, it just starts to snowball, right? Or, yeah. you know, you're on the back foot and then it just seems to like accelerate and you're like, yeah. so what I wanted to do was articulate how I could explain that to an audience, right. which was part three and four of the workbook. Um, uh, part four of the workbook, the momentum was like uh, to steal from Magic the Gathering, the beatdown. And then from that, I just cycled backwards. And I was just like, how can I write something that involves the keywords, this idea of how to talk about a game, and then how to get people to that stage of the game? Because when I was first into uh, wargaming, like I told you, mm-hmm. I, I just became this monster who absorbed everything. Yeah. Um, and I watched battle reports from various sources. And Battle reports are really great entertainment, and you can also learn a lot from them as well. I just didn't feel that that was articulate enough for me to grab information from, which is why I think live stream tournaments um, are the uh, not better, different. Different is the way I would describe it. Okay. And what and why I think they're different, and why I think they're so useful, is you see the very cutting edge with the person who knows it really well. Like a, a good example would be, and I'm sure, you, well, maybe you feel this as well. Um, when you're having to play multiple armies through a week for a bat rep or uh, to talk about it for a live stream like I have to do, sometimes I'm like, that is a lot of information to remember. Like, that is a lot. It's like, yeah, a lot of information. And then people are like, you didn't get that rule wrong. I'm like, dude, I know like 800,000 rules in my head. Whereas when you do it at a tournament, it's the guy who has to get it right or he's disqualified versus the guy who has to get it right who's disqualified. And that guy who's maybe played it for a year versus the other guy who's maybe played it for a year. So there's a level of professionalism that you get from their commitment to doing it right. Yeah. So uh, they went hand in hand. So I wrote the workbook and the uh, website and the keywords, and they all became this singular thing in the quest to do better coverage. Uh, so that's where that's where the workbook came from. And that's what the workbook, the workbook is meant to take you as a new person from don't know what you are as a gamer to I've got some exercises on how to be a better gamer. And I'd like to be, do a big shout out to all your narrative gamers and casual gamers. If you be a better gamer, you'll have more fun narratively. That's a key. At, like, there's no way that like I'm a terrible painter. <laughs> right. And so I say I hate painting. Whereas any of the people out there who are good at painting say, well, if you just practiced, you get really good at it. And then it would just be something that was fun because you wouldn't be constrained by not being good. Hmm. Interesting. So if you practice and get good at gaming, then gaming becomes fun. You can have, I have very narrative games. They're really funny. I take very janky, weird lists of tournaments and have a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really fun stuff. But it's because I have a, an acumen of the game that I'm able to do so. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong. Like, uh, do, you, do you play an instrument? I feel like you must play an instrument. <laughs> no, I, my brother my brother does. I do not. I, okay. I, I rebelled as a child and I 
didn't continue with piano lessons. Okay, all right, because you yeah. did like it, right? Because I didn't like it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but right now you wouldn't try, like, just have a laugh on a piano. No. Because you don't have any skills to do so. So yeah. I think practicing and making yourself better. And also, Warhammer's hard. Like, it's hard. <laughs> Man, I, I've made my wife cry so many times, and I felt like such a bad husband she's broken down to tears, man, multiple times because of the overwhelming information and the uh, the stress of – because she's on video. It's different, right? If you're playing for fun, that's different, right? But because like, she's on yeah. video and the, the pressure of getting rules wrong or not getting rules wrong, rather, uh, just, just weighed on her so many times. And, and you know, I, I have to tell – I constantly tell her, like, you're a new player. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, I will do the best that I can to help you with it. And even still, I'm going to make mistakes too. Because there's a million things I got to think about, but if we'll do our best, we'll do our best to mm-hmm. to get everything right, and uh, and then whatever happens happens. If we make mistakes, we make mistakes. There's going to be ten thousand eyes on it, and someone's going to catch something, right? Like we will do our best, uh, and so just just have fun with it. Yeah, I, I, and I couldn't I couldn't mirror that sentiment anymore. Like I think it's super hard to ever do something that hard incredibly well consistently which is why i think professionalism in the game is a key tenant to making something quite exciting because you could be like oh that's what it looks like at the top end and here's me just floundering around in the shallow end having a great time yeah (laughs) (laughs) because because like when you talk about competitive gamers some of you will not want to do what they do to go what they go through to be good Right. You won't want to no. write. You don't. No, you don't want to consistently like, like, so, like some of it is not exciting. No. Like you ever re-rack? Have you ever re-racked three games in a row on turn one? Listen, it's not fun. Like you're just like re-rack, re-rack, re-rack. Like, but it, it, it's a process that you have to go through sometimes, and you don't have to. Um, and I'm the one of the guys that would like to just have a laugh on a tabletop. I promise you. Yeah. But playing's hard, right? Yeah, playing is hard. Yeah. So the book takes you from new person identify the sort of game you are and then maybe how to play the game that's what it does and so for for those of you who are watching uh, if you're watching this on twitter youtube facebook or periscope via twitter i've included a link to the workbook in the in the notification post of this live stream itself so you'll see a number of links actually uh, a link to rob's workbook and uh, other links to his channels his youtube channel his twitch his uh, facebook um and I think it's the four links there. It's those three plus the workbook. So check that out. Uh, and it'll also be available afterwards, after this live stream is over, uh, on the post for this live stream, wherever you're watching it from. Uh, you'll have a link to Rob's workbook. Uh, and so what? how can people find you? Uh, oh, yeah, they could just go on to thehonestwargamer.com. Thehonestwargamer.com. That's the easiest place. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah, how you and, prefer? And a really... Uh, yeah, just uh, my favorite thing for people to do is to jump on Twitch and watch me live. So yeah. uh, during the lockdown, we started uh, live streaming every day. Um, so I'm on day 86 tomorrow, 87, I can't remember, um, uh, which is quite fun. But I really like it when people jump in the chat because I've had great conversations with people. Uh, I don't think I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm just a culmination. Surround yourself with smart people, right? I'm a culmination of people having good, healthy conversations in our chat. Um, and I love that. I think that's my favorite bit, hearing what people's opinions are, what they're working on. That That's really important to me. So just jumping on the Honest Wargamer. Because like we're all a big group that are trying to get better, right? I think that's one of the, the key parts of, you know, you had Nick on the other day, Nick Nanavai. Yeah. And we've gone from, uh, when I wrote that workbook, there wasn't really professional gamers. 
but now there are people who are professionally doing it, which is exciting. People who coach you to be better. That's great. Um, uh, and that's one of the things that I lacked when I first got into it. There wasn't a, a vehicle I thought, uh, and maybe there was, and I haven't seen it, in which case I apologize uh, to whoever created those sources. There wasn't a, an available way for me to go from good to okay. Yeah. And that's all I, that's what like at best I am is okay. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Uh, it just on that note about talking to Nick, it was interesting. I got a lot of insight as to the what uh, top gamers go through in order to be top gamers. And I think that's the thing, the number one thing that I took away from it. Because uh, in his case, it was interesting. And, and you know this because you're, you're in the competitive scene and you witnessed a lot. Uh, but he, he knows every army. He plays every army. Uh, and he <clears throat> practices a lot. And he reads a lot. So that's kind of like the non-fun stuff you're talking about, where mm -hmm. you got it, you have to keep up with this stuff. It's not just his army that he plays, because he no longer plays just his army. He plays all armies, which alone, right there, is a concept that just kind of blows my mind. Like, mm. uh, I mean, he does it full-time now, but even still, a person that does that full-time, to be able to do that is, is mind-boggling. Uh, I, I would say to like, and that's what it takes to be a top player in this industry because there are others who are also doing the same thing, and so yeah. you got to be able to do it. Uh, and as yes. you said, you out you make your opponent make a mistake because you know the rules, and uh, and, and that I think that's that's got to be fun, right? That's your level of fun at that level. Is uh, I know the rules, I know them inside out and backwards, I know the stratagems, I know what you can bring, I know the potentials. Now let's see if I can kind of throw you off a little bit. Let's see if I can make you forget about certain things. Uh, you know. And the most fun thing about Warhammer is that it still can go wrong because of the dice. Because of the dice. Like incredibly exciting element, which again, do, talking about live coverage, is one of those truly monumental things that you get that other sports don't really have. Um, like, like it's so fun when something goes so close to right but wrong. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and it's, and you can't really get moments like that in um in golf uh for example like we've got this incredibly exciting game that we all get to play which will tell these these moments that will live forever whether that be because it's a large tournament or it's just because a game it's at home with your friends yeah uh, and, and and that dice part is just so addictive um no wonder people just love watching dice roll i reckon there's genuinely a channel someone can make they just film someone rolling dice and someone <laughs> Someone would watch that. You think Someone would lap. Yeah, people would lap that up. They'd be like, "What are you rolling dice for?" Don't matter. I'm just well, four dice and four sixes. <laughs> I'm gonna show my mates. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, it's honestly, I, it, as much as you're joking, perhaps semi-joking. I think if something like that was created, uh, I think people would watch it just because of the sheer, uh, how dumb, how dumbly fun it is. You know, it's like, oh, that's so stupid, but I love it. It's one of those things incredibly good uh yeah. can i just answer a question that was in the chat from earlier yeah absolutely yeah uh someone asked um if there was a good example of uh watching those two two players playing at a level that uh something incredibly exciting happens like where it's 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 tense because of the skill so there's two great um uh videos i think well there's there's, there's several so if you like age of sigma uh there's a game from the sheffield slaughter um, I think it might have been round two where you, we saw Mark uh, with a, an Archeon list play against um, uh, JJ's um, Cities of Sigmar. That was an incredibly good game. And then uh, a couple of months before, so that's on the T-Sports Network, though, So, which is uh, the, a, 
our other channel. But if you go to the Honest Wargamer and you want to search for a video, there's a great one from the LGT, which will be round four, where you saw Peter, uh, who traveled over from Poland, play against um, uh, Steve Curtis, uh, who'd got his Flesh Eater Courts. And in probably one of the most exciting games of Warhammer I've ever got to do coverage for, it was it was so back and forth. It was so up. Daughters of Cain versus Flesh Eater Courts. It was so top tier. And there were so many decision points and dice that just sometimes it's not, do I roll 10? It's the one dice. Like I needed an extra four plus to hit. That was it. And like it made that monumental swing. So those are two sensational games, uh, both in skill, in application, and also just in excitement in dice rolls. Uh, some very, very fun games. That I saw. Also big shout out if you like 40K to go watch uh, the Capital City Bloodbath game with Jim Vessel versus the Imperial Knights for what not to do with Imperial Knights. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> those, those are the uh, best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah actually, uh, would you recommend I, I have him on uh, the Shrine as well? Because uh, he reached out to me. Uh, and Who, Jim? Yep. Yeah. yeah, Jim's fantastic. Yeah, Jim, Jim's Jim's the all-round hobbyist, painter extraordinaire, uh, law extraordinaire, gamer extraordinaire. And Jim's also on a really interesting journey where he started out 8th edition, not particularly competitive, and now has been playing very competitively. But again, it's very mono-focused. So unlike Nick, when Nick's jumped around a lot um, and has done incredibly well doing so, uh, he... Jim has just stuck with a singular army that he enjoys and likes right. and has done really well with. So yeah, he's, he'd be a great person to have on this. There's, there's, there's loads of great people to talk to he's, he's doing interviews. People, like everyone's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I try to like, I try to vary it. Right. Like I had uh, a painters on a craft world studio on last week, uh, which was a uh, completely 180 from uh, the gameplay, right. As, as the hobbyists and they're, they're incredible painters from, uh, 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 I don't want to say the name of the country wrong. So uh, they're Eastern European. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't remember if it was Siberia or another country. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, incredible artwork. Every single model they paint is a piece of art. It actually looks like a painting. Their stuff, their models look like paintings when you look at them. It's, it's insane. And then, uh, and then I had a, a voice actor on one time. Uh, just, just for fun, right? Just to kind of see what, what that was all about. And because uh, we do the narrative stuff and we kind of do the, we do voices sometimes, right? And I'm kind of delving into that a little bit more. And Dave Taylor had him on uh, recently. Uh, so there's there's a lot. And then Nick, as you said, right? Um, and so I, I like to vary it because uh, I I see myself as a all-comers kind of gamer where it's I enjoy multiple aspects of it and I, I focus on everything. And that's very much... Uh, with the exception of the competitive, because we don't cover that on mini wargaming, we uh, we don't focus on that a whole lot, but we certainly have an appreciation for it, and uh, we we respect the that level of gameplay and what goes on to to make that fun and for that to happen. Uh, and honestly, if we had a content producer that was like strictly competitive, we would probably do competitive content where mm. uh, you know they go to tournaments and they do that stuff and they uh, they'd make. Uh, videos that are list analysis and uh, competitive battle reports and all that we would probably do it uh, if if there was like a hardcore competitive do you, do you do, do you ever access any of the stats that are available like uh, i wonder especially with the audience that you have which is huge uh, and well deserved like i wonder if um some of those elements aren't um when you have the biggest vo- uh, uh like biggest voice i wonder if some of those elements aren't necessarily seen 
in some ways. Like, because both for Age of Sigmar and 40k, if we just take those two games, they both have stats available. Right. Like, and, and, and the thing that I like most about stats, uh, two things. One, Pete Colosimo, who does the stats and also uh, his review of the stats for 40k, is an incredible, incredible kind of like analyst at the same time. Now, I'm the analyst for the Age of Sigmar stats, which we host uh, on the Honest Wargamer and LLV does. Whether or not I'm a great analyst, I'll leave that up to you. I think I'm probably okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's go there. But um, the interpretation of, the, of that data is also really key. Yeah. I do wonder, like, do you think that it would be uh, helpful for your audience sometimes to understand? Because one of the things that upsets me sometimes is the parity either inside an army book or between army books, whether that be 40K or, or Age Sigma. Like, you'll put some units down and they just don't perform well. And then the real question is, is like, is it that's always been the struggle for me is it my skill am i using them badly or is it that they're bad right <laughs> like, and that's always like, the question right <laughs> that's always the question whereas when you look at the stats you can see that army x uh almost always loses against army y that's a pretty good like level of like interpretation like and 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 whether or not that is something like i was just wondered like do you think that would ever be something you'd think to integrate a little bit like at the time of recording, this army does X versus this. Because that would be quite interesting. Yeah. Because then you know who's the underdog. Uh, you know, that's interesting. That's a very good uh, suggestion because uh, our goal, our goal is to make entertaining bat reps, right? However that looks like. Uh, and it's typically not competitive because we're not competitive gamers. There's a, there's a streak of competitiveness that we want to win, right? But the true competitive 40K, we are not. And so we want to make a good... Our, our idea of a perfect game is that it goes back and forth until turn four or five. You can't guess the winner by looking at the list beforehand. And, uh, and then it's a good fun game with banter throughout. That's like the formula for a perfect game in our eyes. And so if we can, as you said, if we look at the list beforehand and we can see, uh, we get that intel. It's like this army always loses against this army. Well, perhaps we should play another army or maybe tweak it. So but it's also an, ex it's an exciting narrative plot point, right? Like right. if Army X always loses versus Army Y, then you got an underdog in the narrative. Yeah. But like, no, I, I understand what your um, core message is, and I, and obviously it's a popular core message, right? Like, <laughs> like it works well. People enjoy that. Um, I was just wondering if you felt like it would be helpful to understand, like, for because I don't know if you've ever looked back at a game and you've thought what happened there. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's at the end of every game. Uh, we have a discussion. Sometimes it's a separate video. Sometimes it's tacked onto the same video or post-game discussion where it's like, okay, let's let's talk about the game. Like, what happened? I was expecting this to happen with these units, but it didn't. And these guys performed surprisingly well, which was uh, not not expected. So I think that's a very good uh, uh, suggestion that that we should just start to do immediately because it adds. I think that adds flavor to the game on multi on multiple levels. It's uh, it adds the narrative, as you said. Right, it kind of paints a different narrative, and it also gives us uh, some more intel as to how we can proceed with the game. Because uh, there's been a number of times when we've actually had a game where uh, we we played it, and then afterwards the comments are like, "Oh man, guys, like that was overturned too." We could tell automatically who was going to win just by looking at the lists, you know? Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that that would certainly help to make better videos. Oh, no, you make great videos. There's no question for me. I was more wondering if like it's something you were ever engaged with because it's like because I, I like what your core message is. It's very defined and it's really important that you do that because I think that, that like you say, there's a whole bunch of people that don't care that I exist <laughs> or 
all my message. They'll be watching this video in the comments. Yeah, I'll check in a couple of weeks. They'll be like, that guy, I hate that guy. Like, <laughs> but Dave, you keep being fun, like, which is really important. It's a super important message. Like, and, and I hope that continues. You know, I, I have to be honest. Uh, like when I first, uh, when I saw you on uh, the live streams at the first, I'm like, okay, I love that guy right away. Uh, like, I like watching that guy because of his energy and his, uh, his fun and enthusiasm. Like without knowing anything you were saying, it was cont- it was it was contagious and that's that's how that's how you are as a person that's how you still are which is good uh and i i have to say something as well about mm. the uh uh on the note of come on no don't get old and forget like your dad come on <laughs> i had this thought it's like no i wanted to ask you something as you were saying that it reminded me of something that i wanted to ask you about because i wanted to get your perspective on it but uh, it's mm. uh it's escaped my mind sounds fun it sounds good. No, it's uh, okay. Yeah, I remember now. All right, so here's an interesting here's an interesting fact. Uh, mm. Our audience, Mini Wargaming's audience, we did a, a poll. Fifteen percent of our audience mm. uh, care about or is a competitive gamer, mostly, right? And I say mostly because everyone has a degree of competitiveness that they like. Right, they mm-hmm. might be like 80% fun, casual, narrative, 20% competitive, but like 15% of our audience are competitive players. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and so that's it's interesting because is that how it is overall in the overall community? I don't think so. I think that is a skewed stat because we have attracted the more casual narrative gamers, and so that that's what our audience is. That that's not mm. necessarily the overall. So I'd be interested to know what the overall is out of uh, all i think i think that's uh i mean the the stats aren't readily readily available right like but you do you do get some like uh key points right like hundred thousand active users a year for battlescribe yeah like uh, what percentage of those are narrative what percentage is not like there's some you got some there's some really good data points to start to understand that um and then also look at like a good example would be you do an agency mobile battle report and it will get 10,000 to 55,000 views or whatever your ranges are, right? But you go to uh, a tournament and you might only get um, 200 people attending. And you're like, well, like, what's going on there? Like, where's my other <laughs> where's my other 50,000 people playing the game? Like, maybe only those people think it should be competitive. Um, and then you have things like the LVO live stream last year for the big 40K event, and you ended up with 11 or 12,000 people watching live. So you just think, you think really what is what is that and and the key tenant is is as a game produced by games workshop it's only in the past few years it's ever really they've said it's viable to play as a competitive game right they've encouraged that they've said you should do this so i think we might be at the beginning of let's say a movement at least to play games competitively and as stated before working to be good at something like if i if i could just turn up and Never, having never played a guitar or played the guitar like eight times, just start strumming away in a pub. And then people are like, yeah, man, like you're cool. Yeah, that's what people who don't try hard at the game are doing, which is fine. Yeah, they're just being themselves, loving their life, doing what they want to do. Like being competitive, I don't think seems fair. How about being competent, yeah, having mastery, I think is, is an important factor because you'll have a better experience with it. If that if that's not too much of a diluted point, I think I think it's um, I know if I tried really hard to be a better painter, I would start to enjoy painting more. 
like if I watched tutorials and I focused and I thinned down a wash. Dave, for the first time in my life, I thinned down a wash yesterday. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought, why am I doing this? What's the point? Yeah. I was like, why am I half doing a job? Just do the whole thing. <laughs> but it does look good. I'm quite happy with it. Like it looks fine. Um, my point is, is that if you try hard at something, you get better at something. And I yeah. think there's a lot of fear that we have in ourselves sometimes that being good at something is something like that we might not be able to achieve. Do, do you get that? There's, sometimes we have personal fear. Yeah. Like, and the, the, the smokescreen of I'm only narrative, I'm only enjoying myself, sometimes is something that we use for ourselves. I know as a content producer, I sometimes feel that as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, conversation today, I said about going to tournaments. I feel like going to a tournament, I should do well because I talk about this game competitively all the time, right? right. Like Nick. Nick's got a lot of pressure to perform, to perform. really, really well. Yeah. He has that, and that's on his shoulders, and that's driving him, and that's that's really hard. But there's also that personal fear that people might not think that I'm any good. But I don't let that bother me. I just go, do you know what? Play the game you want to play. Enjoy yourself, because you've only got one life. Enjoy what you're doing, and have fun, right? Yeah. Like... But a lot of us, I don't know. Do you do you ever worry about that? Do you ever feel like, like I know that you don't want to be competitive, but say there was a tournament and you could go to it, would you be like, do you know what, I'm going to put my hat in the ring, or would you feel unco- like what? How would you feel? Well, uh, I have never once participated in a tournament, and I okay, I don't, uh, I don't personally like. Uh, I I mean I gravitate towards the the narrative casual games that's just what i enjoy right like i, I wouldn't mm. i wouldn't choose to put my hat in the ring um my thing is just kind of going in the room and being excited about the armies that people brought and being goofy like that's kind of what i would do right i wouldn't play <laughs> I, I, I that's what i would I, I would see a corn army and i'd be like okay there's the winner right there and i just uh I'd do a war cry or something you know like that's that's what i would do uh and on the note of like what you said about doing what you enjoy the thing I'm most excited for uh, in the in the ninth edition stuff that's coming out is the crusade system, where okay, uh, like the idea of starting out as a sergeant and becoming a lieutenant, who becomes a captain, who is interred into the sarcophagus of a dreadnought later on, like that progression of your army and story, it is just it gives me chills how awesome I think that is. Like I think <laughs> that is so cool. Right, and that's the stuff that I love uh, when it comes to gaming, and and I think that's why we, I mean, we've we've done the narrative campaigns and we've done the the, the narrative games, and that's what we focus on, and we'll continue to like as much as I have an appreciation for the competitiveness, I don't ever see mini wargaming becoming competitive as its con- the core of content that it, it creates. Unless... Whereas see see whereas yeah. I get to mirror you in that, yeah. it, uh, like the other side. I don't like. I really like the narrative, and I and I really like what they've done with creating narrative armies that play well. I think that's really important to me, um, uh, and I think that makes the game better. So I'm super invested in that. But D and D, yeah, uh, Pathfinder, um, anything like that. I'm like, dude, just sit me down. I want to do zero prep. Yeah, I don't want to do any work. I don't want to write anything. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm the other side of that scale yeah. where I'm just like, I'll play. I'll, I'll sit down, I'll have a laugh, we'll do some things, I'll enjoy myself, but I am not invested in working hard to be good at it. And yeah. I think you can work hard to be really good at narrative stuff. 
Yes, absolutely. Now, there's different ways of working hard at it, right? Like, uh, uh, I mean, it, we don't we don't get the rules perfect. Uh, we make mistakes. We do our best not to, but we're not mm. we're not uh, at the level of a professional gaming doing their best not to because they're doing their best at learning all the rules, right? Like we do our best to to learn the main rules and the rules of our armies and to help out our opponent. But what we focus on is uh, doing our best to tell a good story and to present that information in an entertaining way. And, and that's our that's our focus. And that's what gives us the most satisfaction. Uh, and seeing the reaction from that, right? Like seeing the, the comments that that are picking out those key points in the game, those uh, uh, which, those beatdowns and those uh, other things that, uh, mm. or uh, narrative beatdown equivalents, right? Where they come out mm. like, wow, you never would have expected the guardsman with the Melta to take down the Titan, that type of stuff, right? Like that that's the cool. That's the stuff that sticks out and that's what uh, give the characters so much flavor, and that's what make it memorable in, in our eyes, right? That's mm. that's what it's been for us for all this time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I completely understand that. Yeah, yeah. And and mine's mine's the other side of that fence where those two players, and again, I'm talking about not me, are having that match of wits, and there's these key pivotal moments on the decisions. I still to remember this day uh, when Mark played JJ. This is Sheffield Slaughter this year. JJ. Um, put out his Iron Drakes, puts them down, and it was like, this is a big pile of bait yeah, to Mark's Archeon. Uh, Mark has to make this decision. He's like, I'm either take it and try and end up in a better position or I don't. Now, there was a, there was a more cowardly option to try and take the center, and he didn't go that way. He, he, he took that decision. So the drama or the story isn't necessarily in the game, although it is. It's not in the fact that it is Archeon or that they are the Iron Drakes of like Karak, whatever. It's the Mark, the player, the player made this made this bold. Like there's there is a story in competitive gaming, yeah. which is what we try so hard to do in the coverage. We try to tell that story. I, I don't want to say it's a harder story to tell; it's a different story to tell. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a unique one, and it's when that happens, it's really fun because you see the stress on the player's face. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. there's 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 emotion behind it, like there is in every sport. And I've never been invested in sport in my life yeah. until we're talking about sport Warhammer. And then I think it's really interesting, right? Yeah, that's you yeah. know what that I, I like that insight because uh, I think you just made something pretty uh, uh, pretty clear there was uh, in competitive gaming, the narrative is the story is the players. That's that's what it, a lot of and the times, decisions they make the decisions yeah like uh, it's their reactions it's their decisions it's that emotion that you get it attached to, whereas the narrative gaming is the the miniatures the models their story. And so that's where it differs. Yes. That's cool. Yeah, I never thought of it that way before, but that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah, whenever I'm writing anything for new presenters or uh, we have an infield reporter, I always say, what are the key story elements of the story? Right. Like, uh, like, is this someone's first event? That's exciting. Yeah. Is someone playing with a terrible army? Go find me that story. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> is someone running a really odd build? That's really fun. And the things that we try and avoid are the obvious ones. So like when we're doing coverage, we won't put the current good armies on for the first day. Right. Because what we want to do is showcase the other stuff, the weird picks, the odd builds and see how they play. Yeah. That's always because again, those are just other narrative hooks. The the environment of wargaming is is what that is, and I think that tells a great story and it also tells the story of the moment. It's so passing, right? Like there, there's the moment when there's sequiturs everywhere, right? There's uh, last year for LVO Cancon where there's like, like 10, 15% representation of Bone Reapers in every army and you're like, and they're all, 
they're all Petrofex Elite. And you're like, okay. <laughs> like, but then halfway through the day, all of them have lost or half of them have lost. And you're like, brilliant. Like the king is dead. Like it's this, uh, it's like this kind of like grander other story, yeah. which is not grander, but different other story, right. which is fun. And I think that's why uh, I'm so enjoying doing coverage of them. And I think it's, well, I was. <laughs> I think that, faced. there's a lot of stuff too. That I think that uh, we could learn from each other. Like uh, for me example, I, I, the way in which you approach the game before the game happens, I think there's a lot I can learn from that. Uh, the the picking out of the story elements I think is uh, would help me to make better narrative stories. I think I think there's a certain uh, perspective there, which is neat. A completely different side of the game, but there are key aspects of it that that I think that are are good practices. Well, you've had you've had grudge matches before. I've seen some of your grudge match videos. You know, and like there's a grudge, right? Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like there's and that's the narrative. In that case, that's the narrative. Yeah, that's yeah. the story. It's like a uh, Matt Matt beating me with his dumb bugs for a decade and <laughs> gene Steelers taking out my berserkers and uh yeah just all that stuff right so that that's the story and that that's what people uh watch those videos for because in that case i'm the underdog and and matt's the genius player who uh by the way he would never admit to this but i think he's a genius uh he, he's a very smart guy like he that's nice of you no it's, it's true like i can't deny it like uh, he's a accomplished piano player uh, he's he's certainly he's brilliant in, in what he does. He learned two languages. He served a mission for wow. our, for our church, and he learned two languages on the mission. <laughs> Who learns two languages? Come on, <laughs> right? He's a computer programmer. Like he a lot. I see. I saw in the comments like uh, people are saying that Matt would make a good competitive player, and it's true. And he is. He actually has to quell. He has to suppress that because he gets too competitive. And he gets emotionally attached to the competitiveness of it, and he has to separate himself from that. Otherwise, he won't enjoy it. Uh, and so that's why he's focused more on narrative, because he knows that no matter what happens, there's no winning or losing necessarily, because the story's going to go where the story goes. Uh, which which I think is wise and good for the health of all those around him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it, the competitive game can be frustrating as well especially when it's not good like when yeah. it's in a bad state um it can be but it's also really important and honest to have those conversations you, we can't shy away from the facts of what's occurring right iron hands were too good <laughs> that's yeah. a fact yeah that's a, that's a that's a flat fact right um and Sinesh were for age sigma and like the, the their existence of those facts doesn't mean the game is worse it just means the game state is worse and that's always right. something valuable to know uh, I think that's super important for people to to be aware of because then they won't have worse pickup games and casual games. I always picture there being two kids in a barn in some American town. This is my this is my target audience. I want you to know this. Uh, there's two kids and they've ordered everything online. They don't really have any clue what they're doing, but they need some relevant information because they can only afford an arm each. Right. And one guy keeps kicking the other guy all day yeah. yeah and he's just like because this goes back to a personal experience i had when i first got into it i played ogres and my friend played orcs and goblins yeah. and he kept just purple sunning off my ogres and i was like stop <laughs> uh, and then so i read uh, i went on the ogre kingdoms forum at that time and i was just like okay read all the posts i was like okay i need to be better at movement okay start researching movement okay movement's my thing okay all right okay i understand this now played another game that didn't work okay gut star okay this didn't work okay what am i doing wrong and the answer is i was doing nothing wrong it's just a terrible army in a pretty bad game like 
I was trying super hard. Right. I was like, come on. Um, and so it's those two kids who I who I try and make content for. I'm just like, they're like, oh, actually, Sylvaneth is a really bad battle tone. Narratively, it's not. Competi- I lost a game to them yesterday. I need to admit that live on air. FYI, doesn't matter. They're still awful. Um, at delivery, yeah? yeah? Everything with that book is wrong. Um, we could go into deep dive about that, or you could listen to the show about it, but whatever. Um, it's just not a good book. So if you're playing with Sylvaneth and you're like, why does my friend keep beating me all the time? Because you have a terrible army book. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it's not necessary. You can try really oh. hard. You can, you can go cutting edge, yeah. but you have to go cutting edge, right? Whereas um, with your bloodthirsters in 40k, how many times have you run them at stuff to see them die in the midfield? Oh, Quite so- a few times. Oh, so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Is that not, it shouldn't be make- this way. No. <laughs> like, narratively, uh, it does not make sense. Oh, and that's oh my right, god the right. ludo narrative dissonance is my is my like um I, do you know that term ludo narrative dissonance I, I can it makes sense that you say it but i've never heard it before but yeah okay it, so it's effectively uh okay uh the death side for necrons is described in the narrative as being able to destroy entire armored columns right its weapon profile can't even take out like a torox prime like it's awful like, let alone an entire column of vehicles. Yeah. Like, stop telling me. So, and that's the problem. Like, all of the narrative is hyperbolic. Yeah. A bloodthirster will smote the earth. Right. And you're like, nope, it's no. going to die to like a couple of auto cannons. <laughs> 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 and, and it always makes me sad. Always yeah. makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. You know, uh, it's, it's so true, though. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? Every single thing. What's that word you used? Uh, to dis- ludo ludo narrative dissonance uh the the word hyper what'd you say a hyperbolic where like everything's awesome like everything's great yeah mm. like uh you know like orc boys like the, the description of orc boys right it's like man if you had one of those like ramp one boy rampaging a city like it would yeah. be devastating right but like okay t-shirt save dead right like uh it there is a there's that disconnect which uh which, Which is... relates to my favorite, my favorite piece of uh, of Warhammer, Phil Kelly, who, by the way, is start to finish one of the most wonderful people in the world. Uh, whenever you see Phil Kelly on in an interview or you talk to him, ever you're like, Phil, what's happened with this? He's like, well, we decided to take the narrative just up to eleven. He says that every time, and I'm like, how many times, Phil, can you turn the narrative up to eleven? <laughs> He's just like, we've really changed the shape of everything now, Rob, and we've just turned the narrative up to eleven. And I'm like, it's been at eleven, Phil, for like fifteen years. Yeah, time to move it up to twelve. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite things in Warhammer. Is whenever he says that, watch out for the next video he does. Yeah, it's like, so yeah, we decided to just make the Necrons just up to eleven. Oh, thanks, Phil. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wonderful person. <laughs> Have you ever played a game that was narrative driven? All the decisions you made for your units was what would they do narratively? Have you ever done that? Uh, well, I mean, the good thing about Age Sigmar, at least, is that it's narrative at creation, right? Right. Like. Uh, I, I, the, the very greatest thing again. Props to Games Workshop because I think this is incredible. I create my army, uh, my army list in and in. Let's say, Save the Darkness. I create it in the Battle Tome, and it's better because it's got the Save the Darkness allegiance. I get access to new spells and artifacts and abilities. It's just better because I'm playing it narratively. How amazing is that as rules? That's great. Yeah. Great way of building a game. 
Um, and so I feel like I play them all narratively. I mean, some of it's a little bit contentious. Like my Chaos Dwarves, I couldn't play narratively because they're trying to get slaves. Like, I'm not into that, bro. Like, I'm not like, I'm not playing that, that story. Like, <laughs> it's just not okay. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas Sylvaneth, Sylvaneth, I'm just like, Wildwood here, Wildwood there. Like, let's, you can have a Wildwood. And I'm, so I'm playing that narratively. So I feel like they play narratively anyway, right? Okay. Like, because of because uh, of what they are, I don't think there's anything I can think of that you know. Like I haven't played Gene Steeler Courts and tried to blow up a couple. Well, I mean, if you try and plant some bombs on a vehicle, that's what they would do in the narrative. Yeah. Like that's the beautiful thing when you're playing competitively. You're also playing narratively because the, the you're playing armies looking to destroy other armies. I guess uh, what I'm talking about specifically is stuff that goes against the rules. Uh, for example, oh. if you have a captain that doesn't stand behind his unit because he'll get shot, so he goes mm-hmm. in front and he leads his army. Like, that's playing narratively. Or the berserkers who don't go for the objective, they go for the close combat kill because that's what they would do narratively. That's that's more so what I mean. Yeah, uh, no, I understand. No, no, my friend Nathan <clears throat> Prescott would. Yeah, yeah, all day long. Uh, my favorite tournament ever was we were at a tournament together. And uh, he was about to win the tournament, but he, I was like, he was playing a Nurgle guy. He was playing with his Gloomspite Gits. I was like, Nath, how'd your game go? He's like, oh, we were going to win the game, but then uh, I've never fought Nurgle. So I was like, oh, so what happened? Some sort of like thing you've not experienced. He's like, no, we just decided to run off the objective and poke him because I've never poked him before with my sticks. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh, so, so I lost the game, but like, it was so much fun poking them. And I was like, okay like i really appreciate you <laughs> <Yeah>. uh <laughs> who also he also runs around tournaments he really loves gargants and he's quite obsessed with putting things in his pants um so nathan covers that element for me in my life like he's madly obsessed with it he's just like what does that uh, mean like, we, i don't know what that means what does that mean you gotta clarify it well so he's got an ability to um he's got an ability uh, a, a gargant effectively has an ability to put a unit in his pants uh, and it means it's quite cool. So if you're playing Pink Horrors, you can pick out the standard bearer, which regen models in the unit, and you can put it in your pants, which will mean that they can't use the standard in the game for the rules, which is cool. So it's a good mechanic to use in the game, okay. and it's you, and it's really tactic, like tactical and really useful. But what Nathan does is runs around just putting stuff in his pants, and he thinks it's... <laughs> And he thinks it's hilarious. Not his okay. real life pants, I'd just like to point out. Yeah. But we were drunk at Adepticon last year, or he was drunk at Adepticon last year. And I was just, and he's a big fella. I was like, Nathan, what you done? He's like, I've got so many things in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's great. I'm yeah. really happy for you. So, me, no. Uh, but Nathan, yes, all day long. Uh, but again, it's just how the army plays. That's what the Gargant does, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but it was, it, that was fun. Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, you do that all the time. That's your thing. With the uh, okay, not to that. That's extreme, right? Because that's like almost giving the game away, unless both sides do it, right? Uh, oh no, he won. Oh okay, uh, are, and that's that, that, that's the that's the that's the key point. I'd love to reinforce, and I know I'm belabor- like laboring the point. I'm sorry. I'm sure someone will say, "What a preachy idiot." That's fair. Like he's good at the game. But he uses the being good at the game to be narrative. With, the army is narrative. When you're playing with a Gargan, he wants to kick stuff yeah. and stomp on them and put stuff down his pants. That's what he wants to do. Nathan wants to do that as well. But he also wants to win the game. Like in the workbook, 
uh, it's Nathan's, Nathan's Nathan, uh, like getting the gold. So uh, von Clausewitz, which was a, uh, like a military genius who wrote a book called The Art of War, uh, like talked about war and created the term total war and limited war, which is still used and taught in military academies today. Uh, so if you read through the workbook, you'll see the idea of uh, limited wars, i.e. playing the scenario game, yeah, getting the gold, as Nathan calls it, is like a key element of gaming. So you can still play the game but the game is so narrative. You could say, I'm going to play the scenario. Or you're like, I'm going to get the gold. I'm stood on this objective. I've got all this gold. That like you don't have to make it really dry and cutthroat and boring for yourself. You can make it as narrative as the game allows while also being competitive. You can do both. It's not either or. Never is. Yeah. You can do both. I think that's really important. Like People should embrace that because it's exciting. I can see that. That makes sense. It's like a, what are these uh, big units that have the stomp rule where it's like, the fact that they're using the rule is narrative because that's what they would do in the narrative. They would just stomp stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty much everything in Age of and 40K would go and kill a thing. Right. Yes, it's hard to <laughs> go wrong. Uh, it's hard to go wrong uh, with that. Uh, but there are certain times, I mean, I mean, I guess another example would be like, a, you know, cultists. They would, they would stay on the objective and they wouldn't move towards the something to charge it because they'd be afraid of it. Right, that's that's an example. Yes, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I would, but I'm sure you can create another story where they would. Right, like where, uh, yeah, and there's a million different reasons why they would. Right, it's like okay, well, they, their their city will be burned, therefore they have to, or they see something and there's a vision and they're, uh, you know, they're uh, fooled by it and they think it's something that isn't, uh, or who knows, right? Maybe there's something psychic happening. A million different reasons why they would narratively. Yeah, 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 hundred percent, hundred percent. So you can do both, and I think that's that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, Rob. I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Sorry if I talk too much. No, it's it's. I would love to have you back on at some point. Uh, after, oh, thank you. After ninth edition drops, I think it'd be fun for us to to get into a discussion again about. Uh, oh hell's yeah! Yeah, love to. Let's let's do it. Um, and for for those of you watching, uh, there are I provided a bunch of links to Rob's stuff, to his player workbook, to his uh, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook page. That's in the post that you're watching this from, whether it's on Twitch or YouTube or, or Facebook. You'll see a post to Rob's channels and his player workbook, which is uh, a lot of the discussion today was about about that, his his work on that, and uh, and his channels and his live streams. He uh, Rob does live streams mostly. He would prefer that uh, that people view him there because that's what you focus uh, your content on uh, mostly, right? I see that you also post on YouTube and you have a Facebook page, but you are on Twitch. You're on there daily since the lockdown. And you're doing this uh, thing, I guess, until you're no longer locked down. Is that the idea? Yeah, like it's taking on a life of its own. I'm not 100 percent certain on because uh, because we so coverage wise, as I said, I did 18 events last year, and this year we were going to do the WTC, so that's the World Team Championships. We yeah. were going to do. I was doing back to back the international events for both HCMR and 40K in two different countries like or two continents even like uh, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff so that's kind of our key focus um twitch and everything we do on the honest war gamer so we do that all through this new brand called the tabletop sports network uh because we've affectionately nicknamed competitive war game t-sports <laughs> i'm sure there's a whole bunch of people who are going to hate that term so please let me know um but uh so yeah we do that all that through there and that's awesome because that's our professional we don't swear we're really serious like we have fun like we have loads of fun but we're like super like it's a professional thing that we do yeah whereas the honest war gamer is like a think tank of idiots yeah who just like (laughs) 
<laughs> who who like attack what words mean. We you know we talk about what units are good. We do the stats. We look at the stats. We have conversations about armies, um, uh, and that's what that is. So that they're they're different. Jump into the honest war gamer for for to just get your voice heard and and, and then talk about what we're doing. And then um, the T sport stuff is stuff of the future. Don't have to worry about that. Maybe we could talk about that another time. I'd love to get see what you think. You think especially more than anyone. If I could make you watch a competitive game of Warhammer one day, can I do that? That's the real question. Like, can you do it and make me care about it? Is that the actual? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I think uh, yeah. If, if you could get me watching a game that was like Chaos versus Tau, then I would I would watch it and I would care about the outcome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I would care about very much about what happened on the back. And I would have some <laughs> definite opinions and emotions attached to everything that would happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> good. Well, it's been a pleasure. Can I just say a massive thank you for having me on? And you're a gentleman. Absolutely, man. Uh, thank you. Uh, you're welcome, and thank you. Uh, happy War Gaming, everyone. Stay tuned next week for the Shrine, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and check out Rob's channels. And uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs>